This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So we've been busy with the, a series called The Battlefield of the Mind. I hope you're winning. So if you win up here in your mind, in your thoughts, then you will win in life. And so today I'm going to focus on uh, anxiety. And I must have been a, bit, a little bit anxious this morning to share with you guys this message. Just working through everything myself, and, uh, but it's been good. So our society uh, is sick with fear. There's just so many people worried, anxious, especially you know, in this last season, the being unsure of what's coming. How's this going to play out? What's coming around the next corner? And that uh, sense of not knowing what's coming leads to a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of stress in, in people's hearts and minds. And often what happens also is if you, if, you, if you stay sick with fear or worry or anxiety, it can actually lead to physical sickness. There are so many people that actually become physically sick because of not dealing with the anxiety and the fear. Okay, so today I want to help you overcome anxiety. A little bit of our journey, it's, uh, uncom- it's uncomfortable for me to share it. I don't enjoy sharing this, but I feel it's important to uh, share out of my life. Sonic and I really feel strongly about it. We want to share out of our lives so that you can see the things we've struggled with, but also how we've overcome the challenges. So around eight years ago, um, when, originally, when we came to East London, Sonica was pregnant eight months and with Vian, our son. And very shortly thereafter, after birth, she battled for about three years of insomnia. So we had a really tough first three years. But in that season, I started to pursue God, and I was like, there's more. And so I was like, come on, let's go for the more. Let's trust God for the supernatural, for the miraculous. And God healed my wife. And set her free and healed her physically over 26 years, uh, skin disease and the insomnia. And I was like, man, praise God, we, we're going. And shortly after that first three years around 2012, 2013, uh, I fell out of favor with our church family's leadership. So what happened was I was just wanting to pursue more of God. And unfortunately, I... This, the, the, the leader and as my, my spiritual mentor and leader, um, I fell out of favor with him, and uh, the result was a lot of persecution. So I would hear of meetings where there would, these lies would be spread about me at these meetings, and some of the guys were like, me, say, do you know what is being said about you? I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what was happening. It felt like a a bad dream. It felt like a nightmare. It felt like Halloween. It felt this is crazy. And, and I couldn't figure out what was going on, you know, and, and, and the result was a lot of animosity and confusion, and it, it lasts about f- four to five years of these persecution and these lies and the things that were being said. And the result was that we had, for me and Sonic, it was like the sword that was hanging over our heads. Like we were basically threatened 
in the sense that, you know, if we step out of line, if we don't toe the line, we're going to be removed from East London. We would just be told, well, either you're fired or you will be moved to somewhere else. And we really loved East London. We still love East London. We love the people here. We love the church community. And it was, it was tormenting. It was just like, you don't know what's coming around the next corner. You don't know. When I see the phone call from the head office, I'm like, okay, what's it going to be? <laughs> or when that email comes through, I'm like, Ugh, I had this knot in my stomach. I was like, I don't know what's coming. I was anxious. I was worried. And uh, often there were a lot of tears. And a few times I had to just fly down to Cape Town. One time I flew down at a three-hour meeting of just being told how horrible I am. And then I flew back. Praise God. <laughs> it, was, it was painful. It was, I was ba- battling. And, and a whole church family was battling because of a leader that became unhealthy. And a leader that became controlling. And a leader that became uh, fear-driven in his leadership. And it can happen to any one of us, you know, so I'm not pointing a finger. Um, this is just what happened. And the result was it was almost the end of us as a church family of 40 plus churches. There's so many of the pastors like, they can't take this anymore. We were like, or many of us were like, we, uh, we want to leave. We, we over this. And uh, so it was really tough. And there was a lot of anxiety. And, then, and it's a terrible place to be because anxiety steals our joy. It makes everything hard. It's just like the smallest little things. It's just, it's, it's just tough to do small things. So I don't know what you are struggling with. I don't know what's happening in your life. Or maybe you've got difficult people in your life currently. Or maybe you've been through some stuff. Uh, it's, it's not easy. And it wasn't easy. But how do we overcome those type of things? How do we overcome it? Are we victims of things like that? Are we just... Like, oh, you know, should it just be the end of our worlds? And unfortunately, what happens is many people just run away. They, they, they actually step outside of the will of God when they go through things like that. So I sometimes see it like it felt like a, a King Saul, a backslidden king persecuting a, a young David. That's sort of a biblical picture. But the truth is, any one of us can become a Saul when we backslidden, when we hurt, when we wounded. Any, any, any parent can become controlling and fear-driven. Any boss or any leader can become like that. And also any one of us can become a, a David when we repent, when we humble ourselves, and when we choose to follow God's way. And so it was such a trial in that season, like what is God's way? How to deal with it? How to handle it? How to be honoring? How to be humble? How to, to handle it in the right way? It was such a struggle. It was one of the most defining seasons of my life. And I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for all that we went through because God used it to mold me and to form me. So how do we overcome anxiety? How do we overcome, you know, that knot in my stomach that I experienced? You know, we had an encounter one last week here, and a life encounter. And the Saturday afternoon, we pray for people to have encounters with Jesus and uh, there were a whole lot of beautiful, beautiful things that were happening. As we were praying, the presence of God would touch lives, and, and, and they would have radical change happening in their lives. And so the one guy, businessman, he shared how he had this knot in his stomach for years, this anxiety and stress and worry that's been with him for years. And as we prayed for him, he said that just left. It just gone. First time in years. 
And so many other times we've prayed for people where that happens. So what are you experiencing in your life? You see, the, the measure of your mind renewal can be measured in the measure of your, can be measured in the level of your anxiety. The higher your anxiety levels, the clearer a sign it is that your mind needs more renewal. And the more peace you have, the better sign it is that your mind has been renewed. Okay, so I want to I wanna help you today. I want to help you break out of anxiety. This is the fifth message in the series. Every week we tackle a different area. I want to help you today to break out of anxiety. Yeah? Who wants to be free from anxiety? Anxiety sucks. Eh? Terrible. Okay, but you can live an anxiety-free life. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into it. Father, thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful. Thank you, Jesus, that you reign from above. And thank you, Lord, that it's not your will for us to be tormented by anxiety. So, Father, right now, Lord, we pray that your word will cut to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that, that every heart, every mind will be shifted into peace and into freedom. Thank you, Lord, you give us the tools to be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what is anxiety? Quick definition. Uh, got it off the internet. A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. So it's a wor worry, it's a nervousness, or a unease about something with an uncertain outcome. And I want to focus on that uncertain outcome. Because I think that's often where it is. You, you don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know what the future looks like. And so that's your vulnerability. The what ifs. Well, what if this gets worse? What if this happens? You know, you've one month bad, fun, bad finances and now you're playing it out. Like, what if next month's the same and next month it gets worse? And then you're like, oh, my word. And then next month is fine. <laughs> but you were tormented for a month as you worried about next month. Anxiety, the, the what ifs of life. And so what happens is we try to, to control uh, different areas in our lives. And when you feel that you don't have control, that's often where anxiety tends to creep in. Okay, so how do we overcome anxiety? First, really important key is this. You need to take hold of the big picture. The big picture. You need to, to, to see, step back a little bit and see the big picture. The big picture is this. God is for you. The big picture is this. God has a good plan for your life. So let me show you this from the Bible, from the scriptures. The word of God brings freedom to us. Romans 8.30, the, the word of God helps us to focus our hearts, our minds on truth. And that truth ultimately sets us free. So it says there, having determined our destiny ahead of time. So before you were born, God set out a beautiful destiny for your life. That's what he does. And then it says, and he called us to himself. So at one point in your life, God says, come, I love you. I want to give you eternal life and freedom. Turn to me. And so you respond to him. And it says, and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. So the next phase is, he cleans you up. He forgives you. The word of God speaks about the word justify. He justifies you. He declares you. Innocent 
of all you've done. He says, it's forgiven. And I clean you up. And that's all God's doing. It starts off before you were born. He puts out a beautiful destiny. Then he calls you. He says, come. I died for you. Let me give you my life. Come. He calls you. And then he cleans you up. He forgives you and declares you to be innocent. Yo, okay, so what have you done thus far? Squat. You just responded. Okay, I'm coming. I hear you, boys. I'm coming, Lord. And then it says there, and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Beautiful destiny chooses you, calls you, cleans you up, and then he says, I have appointed glory to your life. The same glory that I gave to Jesus, I've appointed to you. His glory, that's his tangible presence and power. He wants to clothe you in his glory, the same presence of the Holy Spirit that Jesus carried, God makes available to you and says, it's yours. And again, he does it, not you. He does it. You must just receive it. You must just agree with him. You must just um, partner with him in it. So I want to speak this over your life. God has a good plan. And he's made everything available for your life to see it not only work, but to see you overcome. There is a victory assigned to whatever you're facing. Come on, say it. Victory assigned. There's a victory assigned to whatever you're facing. God has already planned something beautiful. He turns all things for good. There is a good plan. You need to believe it. That's the big picture. I don't know how this is going to be fixed. I don't know, God, how you're going to do this. But what I do know is you have a good plan. You have a, a brilliant destiny that you've planned for me, for us, for my family, for, for me. In Jesus' name, I believe it. Okay, so that's where you need to start. You need to get that big picture. You see, anxiety is like a leech or a tick. It sucks the life out of you and makes you sick. It sucks the life blood out of you. It removes the joy from you. It removes the peace from you. And it then, it, it, it causes, it makes your, your heart sick. It makes your perspective sick. It's like suddenly you just see all the negatives. You, see, you, you begin to hallucinate. You begin to see all the terrifying, fearful things that could go wrong. And that's all you're seeing. Because anxiety is like a leech. Huh? Would you allow a tick on your body? No, you say, oh, go away, go away, off, off, off. In the same way, why allow anxiety into your life? Why allow it to be in your life when God has not called you to be anxious? So look at this. This is our key verse, the anxiety cure, the main verse for the day, Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Thank Him for all He has done. But it starts off with saying, don't worry about anything. Okay, so is anxiety, anxious thoughts or anxious emotions, is it ever legitimate? Is it ever legitimate? Is it ever allowable? Well, according to the Word of God, no. It's always illegitimate. It's always not allowed from God's perspective. Come on. It says there, don't worry about 
anything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. So you need to check your thoughts. As we've been speaking about the process of winning the battle in your mind, you need to first check it. Check it. What's, what's, what's running through my thoughts? What's running through my emotions? If there's anxiety, then you need to stop it. Stop it. Just spoke to a lady just before the service. She sent some of these messages to her sister in Cape Town. And she shared how her sister is now also saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, to the negative thoughts in her mind. And it's really bringing a shift. These things work. So you need to check it. Then you need to say, stop it. Stop that anxiety. Stop it before it infects your whole being and makes you sick. Stop it. And then you need to flip it. How do you flip it? Instead of worrying about it, you need to pray about it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Could it be that the reason you're experiencing anxiety in your life currently in certain areas is because you're not praying about it? You're just complaining about it. You're just thinking about all the negatives, but you're not actually praying about it. You're not giving it to God. Pray and let God worry about it. I like that. Pray and let God worry about it. Hand it over to Him. Say, God, it's yours. No, I'm not going to. Anxiety is never legit. Never legit. It's unacceptable. We stop it and we flip it into prayer. We give it to God. And so you need to have these two life songs in your life. Two songs that you need to sing often. The first one is the happy birthday to me song. Okay? In other words, you need to get excited about a negative because God's going to turn it into something beautiful. So you need to sing happy birthday to me. Get excited. Instead of being anxious about a negative, get excited about a negative. What could God do in this? That's the first song. Second song that you need to sing is from this, the movie Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. The cold didn't bother me in any case. Let it go. You know, this is part of your life song where you let it go. We become anxious when we hold on to stuff we should not be holding on to. Okay, and that is the first principle I want to get in. Okay, so there are three components to pray. Three components, three principles that will help you to live an anxiety-free life. Principle number one. Pray and get out of the way. So what does anxiety do? Anxiety disconnects us from God. Anxiety causes us to move into the flesh instead of the spirit. It causes us to strive more. It, 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 it steals our creativity from us. It causes us to work harder, but in your own ability. You have less joy, and everything is a mission. So you want anxiety out. So the first principle is pray and get out of the way. So let me illustrate this to you as follows. You back at school, heaven forbid, <laughs> and there is a bully. And this bully is messing you around. Every day you get clapped around and you come home with bruises and it is painful. And all the while you actually have a friend that's with you the whole time, massive friend, giant. And this giant likes to club, club bullies. But now you are like, I'm going to do this. Come on, bully. Let's do this. And your big friend is standing right behind you. And he's like, can I help you with that? I'd really love to help you. Just, just 
stand aside. Let me come through and sort this out for you. And, and that big friend, that is God. And God is standing there with you right now. And he's saying, hey, can I help you with that? Can I help you with that? Just pray and get out of the way. Because <laughs> God's coming through you right now. See, what happens is that you and I, we tend to, because we are anxious about stuff, we try to control. We try to control people. We try to control circumstances. We can try to control a whole lot of stuff. And when you try to control things, then you are in the way. God can't intervene when you try to control. So when you're trying to control somebody like ladies, husband, it doesn't work. We are uncontrollable. We just don't get control. The more you try to control, the more freaky we get. You know, a better plan is, which my wife does every now and again, is she's like, she's like I'm over it. So God, sort him out, sort him out, sort him out. And then he does. And God gets on my case, the boss man. He comes, Andre, stop it. <laughs> stop your nonsense. Okay, okay, okay. Stop my nonsense. But when you control, you are in the way. You, you actually, when you, when you worry, which means you're trying to control, when you worry, you are in the way. Pray and let go of control. When you worry, you are in the way. When you let go, then you let God. So let it go. Sing that song. Let it play there, frozen song. Let it play on repeat. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Faith connects us with God's power, but worry disconnects us. Worry is never legit. And some of us are so trying to control areas of our lives that God's like, I can't, I, you're in the way. Stop it. Step aside. Give it to God. Pray and get out of the way. Okay, so there are three areas that you can control. Three areas that you should be controlling, and you should take your hands off the other areas. The first one is, you are a powerful person. You need to believe it. I'm a powerful person. You need to believe it. In other words, you can't control somebody else, but you can control your response to somebody else. So you need to believe, I'm a powerful person. I can apply self-control. I can apply kindness. I can apply joy. I can apply forgiveness. I'm going to control myself. I am powerful. Come on, say it. I am powerful. You're not a victim. You need to get that. You are not a victim. No one can force you to be bitter and offended and angry. No one can force you. It's a choice. So control yourself. Secondly, you can control your growth. I love what John Maxwell says. The only guarantee that you have that tomorrow will get better is if you grow. That is so true. And that is so powerful. Instead of being frustrated by your environment, instead of being frustrated by your work environment or your home environment, you say, man, I'm going to grow. It's like, ladies, you say, I'm going, to be, I'm going to become a man expert. I'm going to understand the nuances of the grunt. I'm going to know what he means when he looks, when he frowns. My wife reads my frown. <laughs> you say, man, I'm going to be, become a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a, a better businessman. I'm going to be a better leader. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to blame It's so easy for us to blame. We blame our kids. We blame our spouse. We blame the people at work. We blame our bosses. No, you're a powerful person. Choose to grow. Choose to grow. Come on, say it. I'm going to grow. Amen. Every day, a little bit. Every day, I am going to grow. That's my guarantee that tomorrow is going to get better. I'm going to grow. And then thirdly, stay close to God. 
Set your heart on him continuously. Set your heart on him continuously. In the season where we were battling, where they had the sword over our heads and the anxiety and the persecution and the lies that were spread, my response was, well, then I'm going to pursue God more than ever before. You want to see me on fire for the Messiah? Put pressure on me because I know where I run to. I run to Jesus. I run to Jesus. I'm like, Lord, are you seeing this? God, more of you, Lord. I bring my tears. I bring my pain. I bring my disappointment. I bring all my stuff, but I run to Jesus. That's the only place to run to. If you run any other place, it's just be disappointing. But if you run to him, you grow and he begins to fight for you. So what's your response when the chips are down? What's your response? Feel sorry for yourself? Or do you run to him? Come on. You can do it. You can do it. You are a powerful person. I believe in you. How about it's time that we start applying the right culture, the right disciplines in our lives. And we flip it into something beautiful. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Another key verse. The title of this message is called Behold, and it comes from this, from this verse. You see, the truth is, what you behold is what you will become. What you focus on is what you will become. What you behold is what you'll become. And the verse speaks, this verse speaks of it. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We're beholding the glory of God. Are being transformed. Come on, say transformed. Transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Romans 12, 2 says, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This verse says you'll be transformed by beholding God. So what you behold is what you will become. What you behold is what you will become. So what are you focusing on? What are you, what are you putting your thoughts on? Where, where, where are you looking? You see, if you look, if, if the problem is what you behold, you will become like the problem. So if you're only focusing on the negatives, you're only seeing the negatives and what's wrong, and that's all you're seeing, well, guess what? You're going to become negative. You're going to become complaining. You're going to become like the problem, and you will not be able to change anything. What you behold is what you will become. But if you behold the living God, man, you are changed, and then you are empowered to change your environment. So what are you looking at? What are you focusing on? What are you fixing your thoughts on? And this is where a daily disciplined lifestyle needs to come in. We need to learn to manage our thoughts and then to focus our thoughts on the right things. What you behold is what you will become. So what are you meditating on? What's running through your head? The negatives, the negatives, the negatives. You're going to become like the negatives. Okay? That angry person, that, that, that person that offended you, that ugly, bitter individual that hurt you, if your thoughts are on that person the whole time, well, guess what? You're going to become like them. You're going to become bitter. You're going to become angry. You're going to become disillusioned because you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the person that hurt you instead of the one that heals you. Amen. You're focusing on the one that hurt you instead of focusing on the one that heals you. Get your eyes Onto Jesus. Get your eyes onto the King who is able to restore you. And that's what I just did. Every time I said, God, more of you. 
This hurts, God. This is terrible. This is painful. But God, I run to you because I know in you, you're going to heal me and you're going to strengthen me and you're going to upgrade me. You're going to make me more like you, Jesus. And the truth is we grow more in the negatives than we grow in the positives. The negative is your gift. The devil always loses if you handle it right. Amen. Oh, you know the story, yeah? the, uh, I often say this, but if the devil would ever write an autobiography, you know what it would be called? It would be called, It Backfired Again. <laughs> he brought the bad, he brought the evil, he brought the hatred, he brought the... And then we turn around and we love and we forgive and we have more joy and we grow and we become like Jesus. What a win. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to become like Jesus. So pray and get out of the way. So the, in the season of four to five years, the one time uh, two of the leaders came to East London, and in the week or so before, there was some emails flying around, and it was, I, was, I, was, I was over it. I was over it. I, I, I reached my limit. So I decided I'm going to put my foot down, I'm going to tell these guys to go and jump. So I spoke to Rion. For those who know, he's one of our elders in church. He's the biggest man. So I got the, that's why Rion's an elder, because he's a big man, and he can protect the little guys. <laughs> so I was going to call in the elders, and we were going to have a Barney. We were going to, like, go jump. And I, so I started to pray about this, and I just couldn't, I couldn't find peace. I couldn't find peace. I couldn't find peace. I'm like, rebuke the devil. You know, couldn't find peace. Peace, peace, peace. And at some point, I said, okay, God, what is it? What should I do? And the Lord took me to Romans 8, and he spoke to me about that verse that says, that speaks about Jesus. The Lord said to me, be like Jesus. Be like a lamb to the slaughter. Say nothing. Just honor. Just serve. And honor them. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm over this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna address this now. And and I just knew that it was God because it just, it's crazy. You know, you know, it's God when it's crazy. <laughs> God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are just you. You're thinking this is the way. And then you connect with Him and say, No, no, no. This is a better way. So I made a vow because I would have changed my mind maybe in the moment. So I made a vow. Okay, Lord, I will not have a fight. I am just going to love them, serve them, honor them. And they're good people. It was just, it was a crazy season. A lot of people were hurt and offended, and it just amplified everything. And so that's what I did. Just loved them, honored them, served them. And it was a great time. It was beautiful. But I know that if I acted in the flesh, in my own ability, if I decided, well, I'm going to fight now, it would have been a disaster. I would have, so, so many relationships would be strained. We probably would have not been part of the Shofar family anymore as a church. It would have just been a disaster. I would have messed up my calling by acting in the flesh. And I wonder how many times do we not act in the flesh and we worsen things. We mess things up. We cause more damage than, than what God wanted. He wanted, he wanted healing. So pray and get out of the way. Pray and ask God for guidance. Pray and follow his ways. His ways are not our ways. His way is the path of humility. Let God fight for you. Amen.
The battle belongs to the Lord. Stop fighting in your own ability. Stop fighting for yourself. Allow God to fight for you. I promise you, he will. He is faithful. So the first principle is pray and get out of the way. Second principle, pray to bring God into the picture. So let's say you're looking at something, you're having a picture of the problem, and it's a disaster. It's looking terrible. It's like this looks like a mountain. And you know, don't know how to, to turn this around. Now, now, the moment you pray, you bring God into the picture. And suddenly you realize your mountain was a molehill, and the mountain of true mountains, the ancient of all days, is massive and powerful and faithful. And suddenly that your big mountain is a little molehill. It's not so big. When you pray, you bring God into the picture. When you pray, you, you get a different perspective on increase your anxiety. It will only increase your worry. Faith doesn't ignore the problems, but it brings God into the picture. It looks at the problem in the light of who God is. Okay, so bring God into the picture. When you bring God in, the almighty, loving God, man, then the problem looks like an opportunity. If you're only seeing a problem, you're not seeing right. If you're looking at the problem in the light of the Almighty, you're going to see an opportunity. You're going to see a possibility. Okay, you're going to grow. You're going to move forward. The moment you bring God into the picture, everything begins to change. So are you praying about your issues or are you complaining about your issues or problems? What are you doing? Are you bringing God into the picture? So a few years into our, all of our challenges with the, with the leadership thing, uh, it was a Thursday evening and I, I, w- I was just, I had this burden to pray, burden to pray. So I was praying, spending time with God. And at some point I experienced this encounter with God. Uh, I saw a vision. Now, a vision is like a mental picture, but you just know this is, this is of the Holy Spirit. This is God speaking. And what I saw was God often speaks in, in visions and dreams. And so I saw a picture of heavy rain clouds coming. And the Lord said to me, the heavy rains are coming. And the heavy rain speaks of the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of revival. It speaks of an awakening. It speaks of God showing up. And I, I, saw, I saw these heavy rain clouds coming. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said to me that in terms of the previous leader, the Lord said to me, his time is up. His time is up. And the Lord said to me, I've now taken that mantle, I've taken that calling, and I've now put it onto you and the following generation. And then the Lord said to me, lead. I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) I can see it when I speak to some of these guys. I can see it in their eyes there's no trust, there's no respect, there's something is wrong. A few years later, one of the guys, is a great guy, came and stayed with us, and, but we did not sit around the same fire. <laughs> we did not connect. And he told me that at that time, he, say, he said to me, I really believed you were evil. That was how bad the, the false, the lies were the, that was spread. I really believed you were evil. And so in the light of all that, I was like, God, are you kidding me? How can you want me to lead? How can you want me to? I don't know what to do. So I thought maybe 20 years from now, maybe, <laughs> maybe 20 years from now, things are going to change. A year and a half later, after that encounter, well, let me share this as well. That same night, one of our other pastors in the church family had a dream, and he saw Chauffeur East London with, a, with, a, with a, like a 
representing a house and a flat roof, and it was covered in water, and the rain was like the whole ceiling was about to fall in with a with praise about us, about God showing up here. And so about a year and a half later, the Lord said to him, a year and a half later, the, the previous leader resigned from Shofar. I was appointed onto leadership, and then everything changed. The whole culture began to change in us as a church family. Within a year and a half, it felt impossible. It felt like there is just no way. We've had like five plus years of all of this. I have no idea, God. I have no idea. And then suddenly, God shows up, didn't fight in the flesh, didn't do rebellion, didn't bad mouth and, 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 and scheme, didn't fight for myself. And then God shows up and he fights. I want to say to you, God wants to show up for you. He wants to fight for you. doesn't matter what you're going through. You know, sometimes it's hard to figure out who's right, who's wrong. Sometimes I just say, God, you judge. You decide. Who, who are you with, God? But I'm going to follow you with everything within me. So I want to encourage you. The battle belongs to the Lord. But stay close to him. Stay in his presence. Set your heart on him and he will show up. And I remember that week just before um, the elections and the change of leadership, and I was appointed onto the, the, the national leadership team, that week before, I didn't know that anything's going to happen, I just heard the voice of God ask me this question, Andre, can I trust you? Can I trust you? And I only realized later what it meant. It's like, am I going to become like previous disillusioned, bitter leader? And that's what, what happened to me that whole season. I realized the enemy was gunning for my heart to get me to be bitter, to get me to be disillusioned, to get me to be angry, to, to cause me to become a controlling leader because of insecurity. And I know when the Lord said, okay, Honor, can I trust you? I was like, yes, Lord, you can trust me, but God, help me. Help me to stay humble. Help me to have a soft heart. Help me to not control people. Help me to not be a fear-driven leader. Help me, God, to love people well. God, help me, Lord, to serve your people because they belong to you. They're not mine. And I believe that's the same challenge that we are facing at times. Are you going to become like the one that's hurting you? Are you going to become like the one that offended you? Or are you going to be better? Are you going to be, are you going to be like Christ? Are you going to grow? Are you going to move forward? Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to grow. Amen. So make sure you're standing with God, and he's going to stand with you. Philippians 4 verse 7, the next verse from our key verse. When you worry about nothing, pray about everything, then it says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds so as you live in Christ Jesus. When you pray about everything, you're going to know peace. When you bring everything to Him and you let go of control, you're going to know peace, and the peace will guard your heart. You might be going through a difficult, really difficult season, but you're going to have supernatural peace. People might be treating you like dirt, but you can still have peace because God is with you and you're powerful. So peace guards us. Peace keeps us from doing stupid. It's like when I, that scenario where I was like, I don't have peace. I need to stop. When you lose your peace, stop and pray until you have your peace back. Because peace guards your heart. I think some of the moments in my life that I, 
you know, feel the worst about are the moments when I acted out of my character. I, I acted wrong. I acted uh, short-tempered. I, I, I responded unkindly, you know, in a moment where I, I wasn't spending time with God, I wasn't praying, I was under pressure, and I acted in an ungodly way. Those are the worst moments for me. I, I never want to act contrary to who Jesus is. But then I, you need to spend time with God. Then you need to seek his face. So how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Complaining or praying? You know, this morning, there are, these, there are these times that you just know you need to spend a little bit extra time. So this morning, I was up before five. I was just praying for a few hours this morning and just worshiping God. Lord, I want to get into your presence. God, I, I, I need to be in your presence because today, lives need to be changed. And also some other days where we have tough meetings and challenging video calls. Then I also get up a little bit earlier and I really get into the presence of God because I need God on my side in that moment. I need to manifest the very nature of Christ. And not just the fleshly me. Amen. So how about upgrading your prayer life? You see, prayer is a powerful mind renewal tool. This is the tool to have ongoing mind renewal. Because it's your checkup time. When you, sp- when you s- become quiet, you turn off all the noise. So maybe it's in the morning, it's early in the morning, and you can become quiet. Then you become aware of your thoughts. You become aware of what's happening on the inside of you. And then prayer is not about just God, please, please, please. Prayer starts with worship. Prayer is about focusing on God. Prayer is about declaring who He is. Prayer is about standing on His promises. God, you said... And it stirs your faith and it strengthens you on the inside. And then God can show up. You bring him into the picture. So a a solid prayer life is a powerful ongoing mind renewal tool. And it shouldn't be hard work. It should be your joy because you're spending time with the creator of the universe, the king of all kings, the God of glory and wonder. It's amazing. So come on, give it a shot this week. So instead of worrying about things, pray about it. Three things about prayer, quickly. Prayer is bringing God into the picture. Prayer is not only changing your mindset, but it's also bringing God into our country, into your workplace, and into your home. I mean, God shows up. Secondly, prayer is to shift your focus from the problem to the solution. So you shift your focus. When you start praying, say, God, you are the answer to this problem. What you behold is what you will become. Thirdly, as I mentioned previously, which nature will you take on? The nature of the problem or the nature of God? When you pray, you take up the nature of God and you are empowered to overcome in your environment. Will you take on the nature of the problem or will you take on the nature of God? Come on. Take on the nature of God. You can do it. And then lastly, three principles that I'm sharing. Pray and get out of the way. Pray and get God into the picture. And then thirdly, pray to step into God's presence. In the Father's presence, there is peace. In the Father's presence, there's peace. I'm sure either you remember when you were small or you as a parent, remember when your children were small, four years old, five years old, and like with Vian, you know, he would be afraid, and the moment I would be in this room with him, and I'm sitting there on his bed with him, and I'll hold him, or I'll lie next to him, or I'll pray with him, there's peace, because daddy's there. 
the little one just rests. In the same way, the moment you are in the Father's presence, you have peace. Step into His presence. Make it part of your, your, your habit, your culture. I spoke about it last week to become a habit, or previous weeks, become a habitation. Not just want a visitation. Dwell in God's presence continuously. So pray and to step into God's presence. Uh, when the boogeyman comes, when the shadows are there and it feels so scary, in the presence of the Father, there is no fear. So look at this, Isaiah 6 verse 1. One of the most beautiful passages that gives a, 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 a description of the very throne room of heaven. The prophet Isaiah has this encounter with God. He steps into heaven. His spirit steps into, his spirit man steps into heaven. It says, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. I saw, I beheld the Lord sitting on the throne, the king of kings, the God who fights for us. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, these angels, and each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, they would beheld, they beheld the glory of God, and they were shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the God of the angel armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. I just love that. You see, when, when you become aware of the, the, the creator God, then all of creation wants to respond in worship. I mean, the word of God says that if, the, if we would not worship God, then the rocks would cry out. Creation wants to worship, wants to praise the creator and so it's in your DNA, it's in your being that you want to worship Him, you want to praise Him, you want to declare holy, worthy, glorious, powerful, majestic, magnificent, the almighty God who reigns over all. Part of your being just wants to shout it out. And when you shout it out, you change. <laughs> When you shout it out, you step into his presence. When you shout it out, anxiety must leave because there can be no, no anxiety in the presence of God. Worship him. Worship him. Praise him. Lift up his name. Again, make it your lifestyle. Make it your culture. Make it your, your, your habit. Just praise him. Praise him. All of creation was designed to praise God Almighty. So how about that? Do that. Live it. In your car, on the way to work, praise him. At your, at your workplace, just, you know, just go walk around your, your office building or wherever you're working and just worship him. God, I welcome you. I welcome you. I welcome you. Maybe you're a teacher and just go worship in your class. Say, Lord, the Philistines are coming any moment now. Jesus, please, please help me. Deliver me, Lord. They're coming. <laughs> Fight for me, Jesus. Can be intimidating, eh? Those little ones. They look so nice and cute until <laughs> chips are down. <laughs> but worship him, get your eyes back onto God. Um, we've had stories of teachers share with us it was chaos in the class for months, and then they started to pray and to worship in the class, and just suddenly things began to change. Shift the atmosphere. Come on, bring God into the picture. Pray and bring him into the picture. Pray and step into his presence. In your workplace, 
Don't allow anxiety to control you. So if you're not seeing, you're looking at something negative and you're not seeing something good, step into his presence and look again. I mean, look at that, that, that verse says it so powerfully. They, the angels say, the whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, the one man of God, he like uh, asked God, Lord, how does that I mean? How can the whole earth be full of your glory? God, I don't understand. And he heard the voice of God say to him, if you dwell in my glory, all that you will see is glory. If you dwell in my glory, all that you will see is glory. So when you step into his presence, faith is unlocked. And suddenly you look at a problem and you see an opportunity. You look at a problem and you see possibilities. Because you've brought God into the, into the picture and you've, you've stepped into his presence. The whole earth is full of his glory. What if God goes before you to your workplace? What if he goes before you into your challenge? He's already there. He's already made provision. What if a victory has already been assigned to your problems? Come on, say victory. A victory assigned. It's already been assigned. He is for you. He's for you. I tell you that day when, I mean, when, when, when that leadership change happened, I was in that meeting and we went in like the guys were saying, there's a 95% chance we're walking. It's with the end of shofar, we are gone. We're walking in that meeting with that. And within that meeting, everything changed. My good friend Heinrich was appointed as the leader. And suddenly I was on the leadership team as well. You see, I, I, the, the month thereafter, I was like smiling from ear to ear continuously. After five years of hell, I was just like, God, you are alive. God, you are faithful. God, you fight for your children. He fights for you. He fights for you. He fights for you, but give him something to work with. <laughs> Pray. <laughs> give him something to work with. Bring him into the picture. Amen. If you're not seeing something good, step into his presence and then see it again. If you're not thinking a good thought, think another thought. Because there's glory made available to you. He's assigned glory to your life. Amen. Praise God. Pray, pray, and get out of the way. Pray, bring God into the picture. Pray and step into his presence. Anxiety is always illegitimate. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's stand. Worship team, please join us. I want us to do the song that speaks about fixing, fix our eyes. Man, I want you to get this. I'm so excited. I'm so stirred. God is not a figment of your imagination. He's actively involved. And he wants to fight for you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Look at this last verse, Philippians 4 verse 8. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts. Don't look away. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
So if your thoughts are not leading you into praise, you're thinking wrong. One of the best ways is just thanksgiving. Even this morning, coming here, I was just like, God, thank you. Thank you for every person that's going to be here today. God, I thank you for each one that takes the time out, drives all the way here to honor us with their presence. God, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word with your precious children. Tell you, moment you, you, you step into God. So here's one question you need to ask when you look at a negative. What would this look like if God shows up? What would this look like if God shows up? Then pray. Pray for it. Pray for it. I am amazed how many times God has showed up. He spoke, he said he would, and then he doesn't. It's all him. God, what would it look like if you would show up? What would this church look like if God would show up? So pray. Pray until breakthrough. Pray until you have the answer. Pray until God speaks to you. Pray until that breakthrough comes. Don't stop. Pray. Pray. Keep on praying. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.